Ephesians chapter 4, you know, decisions must be made. This is a, this is a, uh, a time of decision making for many of us, especially for our uh, church life and our church history, some things that have to be decided. And we need to seek the Lord to make, help us make those proper decisions. Well, actually, we need to just follow His decisions. Amen. And so it's like the fellow said, he said, you know, my wife and I, we decided we didn't want to have kids. He said our kids aren't very happy about that. They're kind of a little upset. I thought it was good. Hey, isn't, isn't any, is there any parent on earth that hadn't felt that way at some time? Uh, trying to wake y'all up before I put you to sleep. like the fellow said. He said, you know, we got married. We, we set it off just right at the set. At the onset, he said, I tell you what, we, I'll make the big decisions and you make all the little decisions and we, his wife will get along. He said, been married 30 years. We hadn't had a big decision come up yet. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all can relate. Some of y'all can relate. So I can't wait to get back to exercising because exercising, they claim, helps you make decisions. Helps you with your decision-making. It does. Did you all know that? Like the fellow said, I went down to the gym, exercised one time, and I made a big decision. I'm never coming back. <laughs> yeah. That's, and what helps you be decisive. No wishy-washy. All right, but I, the reason I said all that is I had to make a decision. I fibbed to you last week. I said we're going to finish last week's message this week. And I decided to postpone it a week because I'm, I, uh, I feel the need to speak on what we're going to speak. So if you're taking notes of any type, leave some room for next week to finish on how to do it. So what we did last week, we spoke of what? What not to do to the Holy Spirit. The things you don't do, those taboo things that will hurt your relationship with Him because you do have a relationship and He's very sensitive, right? There's things you can do and ought to do. We'll get to that next week. Alright, so let's look here in Ephesians chapter 4. Look what it says in verse 29. We are at the end of the, of the chapter. And... And reading through, this, this uh, hit me and I, and I thought I need to teach this. So, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. None. Do you see that? But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. So if you see in verse 29, it begins with let. And then in verse 30, it says and. Connecting the two verses, there's this great connection of the words let and and. And because of you are sealed by the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. And because of this, you keep your mouth diligently. You become a master of what you let come out of your lips. Because if you don't, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. But 
if you will be a master of guarding your lips and what comes out, the words that you speak, not allowing corruption to come out of your mouth. Corruption. What does it say instead? You let the Spirit flow. It brings edifying words. Grace to the hearers. People hear it. It's, it's, it's like it's beautiful, beautiful music. You know, gracious words. It talks about in Proverbs. They're very edifying and they're wholesome and they're healthy and they're just they're in they're enriching. They they help people have a better life. And so, what Paul said in Colossians: Let your speech be seasoned with grace. It's a seasoning that you put on your your speech, and it's grace it comes from God. So, as all graces of God, First Peter. 5.10, I think we, it was mentioned in Sunday school this week, all graces of God. Did you know God is the God of all grace? Men don't have that. It's, a, it's an attribute of God Almighty. Since that's the case, if you'll let this happen, and this will happen, in the same manner, look at verse 31, it says, let all, here it is, let, again, all, Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Boy, those are some great things, aren't they? But let them be put away from you with all malice. If you will let these things be put away because you're putting off the old man and putting on the new. The theme is still there on putting off and putting on. If you allow these things... And these things, all of these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice, those are all things that happen when someone won't forgive. When someone holds back and will not release. So, he's saying if you do let all these things be put away from you, and what will happen is you'll be forgiving in your heart. Guess what we're going to talk about? Now, I know we had a lesson not too long ago in Sunday school about this, but it's such a recurring theme and need in our lives, forgiveness. All right? Forgiveness. And so what I want to do tonight is study forgiveness in a way, in a new way. Uh, see some new things. So think about this. Just as grace is purely of God, grace is purely of God, so is forgiveness. Forgiveness is purely of God. Only God can truly forgive. I want you all to understand that we're going to talk about this. Only God has never violated anyone, ever. He's the only one that's not guilty. He's the only one worthy to be able to bestow forgiveness. God's never needed forgiveness, as we do, right? So He has never been on the receiving end of forgiveness. He is God. So, just as grace comes from God, so does forgiveness. So with that in mind, let's look at our text here. And look what it says. And we're going to look at some verses that back this up. But look what he says in verse 32, the text of the night, be ye kind. And, I, and I, I would admonish you to memorize this one. I think some of y'all have it memorized. Alright? And be ye kind one to another. Not, not all those other things in 31. Okay, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Turn over to Matthew 6. And we're going to look at something in Luke also. 
So it says, even as Christ, for God, for Christ's sake, God did this. God the Father did this for the sake of His own Son. He forgave us of all sin against Him. And what the Bible tells us in 1 John, that sin is the transgression of the law. You violated the law of God. So though you might be sinning against a person, you're always sinning against God. Now the Islamic faith, which we don't care about, they don't believe you can sin against God. But many places in the Bible says, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. You sin against God because it's the, you're violating God's law, not man's. So a lot of times in violating another person, you're violating God's law. So let's look at this. Here's what they call the Lord's Prayer when it is not the Lord's Prayer. This is a model prayer on how to pray. And we're, but for time's sake, let's just look at the, what matters to, in the, as uh, far as the lesson. Look at verse 12. So in his prayer, he says, and forgive us our debts. Doesn't say our sins, does it? As we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us for that which we owe as we forgive those who owe us. Now we'll talk about that in a minute. Turn over to Luke chapter 11 now. Luke chapter 11. Sin is the transgression of the law. It comes in many forms. All of it is sin. So we're in, we're in Luke 11, and look what he says in verse 4. And once again, this is a prayer. All right, This is Luke's version of the what they call the Lord's Prayer. In verse 4 he says, And forgive us our sins. See, in Matthew it was debts. In Luke he's saying, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted. You see that? To us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So in doing so, it becomes a debt. Sin is likened to going into debt. All right? That's what we want to stress tonight. Not a financial debt. Not that you owe money. It could possibly be that, but that's not the point. Sin is when you fall into a debt. And it's a violation. It's an offense. When you sin against someone else, you have crossed the line, trespassed, and you have caused a debt on yourself to that person or to God. So when you sin against God, what is it? It's a debt against Him. So in, in Romans 6.23, we use this verse in soul winning, for the wages of sin is death, right? That word wage, is, it's, not, it's more than just a penalty. It's an indebtedness. It means you have to pay. And there must be a payback. It's what you've earned. We always tell people, you know, when you sin against God, you are earning death. You are earning separation from God for what you've done. And, it, it, and it's a payback. So what we're saying here is sin indebts us. We owe God for that sin. And so when I tell people about Christ, I always stress that to them. You owe God for every sin you ever committed. Even the ones you forgot about. Even those that were not remember your sins of ignorance, you still subconsciously did those against God. You owe God. You, and so the debt, it's like the national debt. 
How can we continue? You, you think about people who aren't ready to get saved, they want to sin some more, the debt's rising. Every day, the what they owe God is really, really uh, exponentially rising. We trespassed against Him. Now, trespassing is not something you can pay back. It can only be enforced or forgiven. If you violate the law and you trespass or transgress against God, you are either going to be, that, that sin is going to be enforced against you or it's going to be released and forgiven towards you. There is no in-between. And so a, it's a debt that cannot be paid back. It's a debt that cannot be paid back. And I'm getting somewhere. Think about it. There's no amount of recompense that a person can pay to get out of debt for their sin. It's impossible to do this. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. We'll look at a story that explains this. So the debt of sin, this is what I want to stress tonight, cannot be repaid. And technically, even between men, when a man sins against another person, he cannot repay that. Even though the, you, you try, I'm going to make amends. Well, there's only one way for the amends to be made. That's called forgiveness. Seriously, that's, all the, that's the only way out of this. You think about this, even going to hell won't pay your sin. You know, Catholic Church teaches you can go get purged in purgatory for a certain amount of thousands of years to purge yourself to make you ready. And actually they use this passage we're about to look at to prove the point. And that's not true at all. It'll never get paid because man, you've transgressed and trespassed against Almighty God and you're indebted to Him and you cannot pay that back. So let's just study this. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And He says, Then came Peter to him said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? You know, it's one of those, hey, they did it again. <laughs> they did it again. Hey, but next time you say that, turn it on yourself and say, I did it to God again. Because we do the same thing all the time to Him. We're guilty of it too. So Peter says, well, how many times do I have to forgive? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. That means there's no end to forgiveness being offered. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. Uh-oh, there's a king. He's taken account of all his servants. This is God. And when he takes account, he finds that something's happened here. And basically, everybody owes him. Everybody. But in our particular case, one individual, me. All right. So it says he had begun to reckon. One was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Wow, this guy's in big time debt. And this beautiful story of this servant owed him 10,000 talents. So for as much as he had not to pay. You know why he had not to pay? He had no possible way of paying. His Lord commanded him to be sold, man, and his wife and his children, and all that he had in payment 
to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant, boy, he was moved with compassion like God is with us, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That 10,000 talents, we'll, look at, we'll tell you what that is in a minute. It's a pretty amazing amount of money, but it's more than he can pay. It's not possible to pay back. He's gotten such heavy debt to his king, he's in big trouble. But the king looses him from the debt and releases him. And he says, I will pay thee all. No, you can't. No, you won't. It's not possible. You're not capable. You know, it's just like a man thinking he can save himself. It's just like a man thinking he can fix himself. It's not possible. It takes the grace of God to do so. So in verse 27, it says, The king was moved with compassion. He was so moved with compassion, he made an incredible decision. He loosed him of the debt. He released the debt. And basically, he reversed what he said in verse 25. He freed him from being indentured prison. They would, back in the Bible days, if you got in heavy debt and couldn't pay it back, you were sold as a slave and you worked it off until you paid the debt. And if you couldn't pay the debt, your wife would also work. And your children. You know, they claimed Davy Crockett. I think I mentioned this before. Davy Crockett's dad got in such debt twice. He sold his own son, David, to work off the debt to another man for his father's sins. And the second time around, David, when he got it done, he said, never again. I'm leaving home and never coming back. My dad will never do this to me ever again. And he went off and did some pretty great things, but then he went and died in the Alamo, but he, didn't, he, he never was a servant or indentured servant ever again because he, this man says he forgave him the debt and released him the debt. So here's the thing. See, with, with God, there's no way to pay it back. You realize this? The, think about all the flaws that you've gone through in your life, which all of us are guilty. You can't pay God for any of it. You can't even begin to. So since you can't pay it back, the old worldly term comes up, you pay it forward. That's how you do it. You pay it forward. The only way to make it good, because God's released you, He forgave. The only way to validate the forgiveness of your debt that you owed God is to go out and forgive others. That's the only way you can do it. That's why it says, even so, as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you, you go out and you be kind and, and forgive others. And I call it learning the truth. You need to learn this truth. We all need to learn this truth. You ever heard the statement, well, I taught them mercy and they forgot the lesson. That's what this guy did. I taught them how to forgive. And what happened? They never learned. They failed the test. The magnitude of forgiveness escaped this man. So look what it says in verse 28. But the same servant went out. Now he's going to, you know, he just got released. You think, I'm released. This is so great. Now who owes me money? I'm going after him. 
And he went and found him a guy, one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. This is real good compassion. So that's what I'm saying. You really, you didn't, you didn't learn the lesson. Taught you, I taught you well, and you did not learn the lesson. And he said, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant said, uh, fell down at his feet. And besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. Doesn't it sound familiar? I'll pay you back. Just have mercy on me. And he would not. But went and cast him into prison, that he should pay the debt. Now let me tell you the mag. I studied this. This is amazing. It says this man owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was worth 6,000 denarii. All right, so this is Roman currency. 6,000 denarii. One denarii was one day's wage. One day's wage. And, and, and in, uh, basically in Jewish, it's a penny, right? So in, in chapter 20, the, the uh, parable of the, of the uh, workers in the field, they all got a penny for working all day. You know that story, right? Well, under, the, under Roman law, it's called a denarius. Well, denarius. Denarius is the name of the, of the uh, uh, denomination of what it's worth. So if one denarius is worth a day's wage, it'd take 20 years labor to earn one talent. 20 years labor working every day but Sunday to pay back one talent. Well, wait a minute. This guy owes 10,000 talents. How many lifetimes would he have to serve to pay him back the debt? You see what we're saying here? This is an impossible debt to pay back. Not, it's, not even, it's not possible. So, I mean, so when the Lord lets him free, you would think he'd walk away with such unbelievable relief and release on life that he'd want to... He'd forgive anybody for anything they've ever done to him and love would fill his heart and he'd have all these things that the Lord had, compassion and be moved and forgive. Well, no. He did something. So He goes and finds a guy who owes him a hundred pence. hundred pence. Now, uh, like I said, a pence or a penny is one day's work. All right? So this guy owes him basically for a hundred days' work. Hey, men speaking, that's quite a bit. But God, okay, you're talking a hundred days work versus how many lifetimes worth of work? The, I mean, the, the contrast is you couldn't get any greater. And he forgot the lesson completely. He couldn't pay his sin debt or his in 10 lifetimes, but he's going to judge a guy who owes him a few bucks, basically. He failed to pay it forward. And look what it says in verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. They went and told on him. And came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, 
and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. Guess what? He's going to be paying it for ever. Ever. Forever. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your heart... You, you know, some people superficially forgive. If you don't from your heart forgive everyone, his brother, their trespasses. The king held him to his debt. What am I saying? Learn the lesson of forgiveness. It's such a strong lesson to learn. Don't forget the lesson. Don't forget the lesson. You know what's sad? Some people are never going to get the lesson. They're never going to learn it. They're never going to learn it. They're going to hold unforgiveness in their heart all their life. And they're not going to forgive others, even as God for Christ's sake had forgiven them. And basically what they're saying, this is the truth of the matter. You have people all the time that are, they claim to be a Christian. They claim that they got released of their 10,000 talent debt. Yet, they harbor grudges, they have malice, they have, like all it says in Ephesians 4, they have bitterness in their heart, they speak evil of other people. They never forgive for minor debts, now to them it might be big. What are they saying here? My forgiveness, so-called, is not validated. It's not authentic. It's not real. I did not learn the lesson. So forgiving others is the only way to validate that you've been forgiven. That's a proof. Even as, now we don't have much time here, but turn to, let's look at this 2 Corinthians chapter 2, take it another level here. The only, 2 Corinthians 2, the only way you can have any, the only thing, the really the only action you have after being forgiven by God is to Forgive others and pay it forward. Forgiving others as God did for you for Christ's sake. Now get over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Having some sins that had been taking place in the church. Some people had been hurt. I'm sorry, chapter 2, 2 Corinthians. Some people had been hurt. There had been some sins taking place. People got their feelings hurt. Some people tried to repent. And some people wouldn't let them. We're not accepting that. You're wicked. Alright? It was horrible sins of, uh, of sexual sins within the church and it was incest, basically. And another man was stealing and defrauding his fellow Christians of money. Alright, but look what it says here in chapter 2, verse 10. And this is Paul writing. He's not even there. He's writing a letter to them and he's telling them what to do. But he says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. He says, I have forgiveness in my heart. I'm ready. I'm just, I'm ready. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So Paul is saying, I'll forgive him if you do. Because he's not there. All right. he's, not, he's not dealing with the situation. 
He's telling them, and, and actually the verse before that, he's saying, we're going to prove if you're obedient in all things or not. Are you going to take the forgiveness of God and forgive this one man in particular, but others? If you do, I will too. I'll forgive them right there with you. I don't even know them. I don't have hold in this debt like you do. That's what he's basically saying. I don't have the personal hold on this that you do and claim to have, but I will forgive as you do. But how? In the person of Christ. You see that? I'll forgive them in the person of Christ. So this is all I want to say. Just as you can't get forgiveness without God releasing your debt, you can't truly forgive others. It's Christ forgiving them through you. It's, it's basically becoming a vessel, a conduit, for God to send His forgiveness through you to someone else. That's how important forgiveness is between brethren and between family members and it basically anybody. Christ forgives them through you. And your forgiveness is done in the person of Christ. I can't stress that enough. Next time you say, I forgive you, realize that's God doing it through you. You have no power to forgive. Only God can do it. We don't have that power. Our choice is to take His forgiveness and pay it forward, which builds a bridge from men to God because we are ambassadors for Christ. So what do we see here? One who won't forgive. You know what they're saying? They're proving they didn't learn the lesson. Because Jesus said, if you will not forgive others, my Heavenly Father won't forgive you. Even though it was there and you claimed He did it. See? And what they're saying is, if I won't forgive you, I still owe God. Just like that guy in that parable. I still owe him. Because the debt and the forgiveness was not validated because I didn't pass it on through you and, and forgive others to you in the person of Christ. So, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So failure to forgive sins gives an advantage to Satan. What it says right here, when you fail to forgive others, you've given an advantage to Satan and our relationship with God is hindered. I wish we had a lot more time. Uh, if you're a note taker and studier later type person, I'll give you some verses to look at. And then we can talk about it if you want because this is, this is pretty heavy stuff. Alright, so John 20, verse 22 and 23. John 20, verse 22 and 23, Jesus told the disciples, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Alright, study that. Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Stephen is being stoned and he's on his last breath and he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. There's power in this. Okay? Jesus said, in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So there's, a, there's God forgiving 
through a human vessel. And then look up Matthew 16, 19. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And this is talking about forgiveness and debt. Okay? And then the last one. Matthew 18, 18. Same thing. Jesus said it twice. Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's pretty powerful, isn't it, for a human to have that power. You say, well, that's to the disciples. That's to the apostles. Go study it and find out if that's true or not. If it's only for them. We do know one thing. A priest cannot absolve your sins. Man cannot absolve your sins. You, can't, you cannot confess sin to any man on earth and get forgiveness. But God can forgive you through another man if they make the forgiveness. I always thought about this. When, when Stephen said, lay not this sin to their charge, and they're murdering him unlawfully, does that mean God's just not going to lay that sin to them? Or do they, I mean, you, you, you do suffer for your sin and have to pay God, right? When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, and they're nailing Him to the cross, does that mean they got forgiveness? Well, Jesus asked Him to. I figured he, God probably did. Even for God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. So what we would, we're done, but we need to become masters of passing forgiveness on. Not a pushover, but 70 times 7. You say they do it all the time. Yeah, and you did it to God all the time. Pass it on until they learn the lesson, you know? Until, but the key is, you learn the lesson. It's not worth it to hold any grudge, and, and we're all guilty of this. It's not worth it to hold a grudge, to hold bitterness, to have malice, to speak evil of people. It's not worth it. You owe God a thousand lifetimes.